Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wealth Conversation podcast with me, Tsitsi Mutiti. I guide high-achieving women on their journey to build lasting wealth so they can prepare for an abundant future in every area of their life. I hope that today's episode will help you to transform your relationship with money so you can make the choices that will enable you to create the opportunities and lasting wealth that you desire. Let's get straight into this week's episode. Hey there, it's good to have you back with us. So I know you've been listening to this podcast every single week and that you've been taking in the wealth of knowledge from all the guests that have been on the podcast so far. But a lot of you have told me that you haven't taken any action, mainly because you're not sure where to start. And I get it because I've been there before. The good news is that I can definitely help you get clear on the three steps that you can take straight away to create the solid foundation that you desire. So head to the show notes and click the link to book a power hour session with me. There's definitely never been a better time to become the designer of your financial future. Investing is one of the many ways to build wealth. But how can you invest in a way that has a positive impact on global issues and is in alignment with your beliefs? Financial planner Emily Poole is passionate about empowering people to invest their wealth sustainably and in line with their personal values. In this episode, Emily will be sharing why she believes that ethical and sustainable investing is a key part of anyone's wealth journey. Welcome, Emily, to the Wealth Conversation podcast. Hi, Titsi. Lovely to be here. I'm so looking forward to this discussion on ethical and sustainable investing, um, which is a topic that has gained uh, momentum in recent years. And I think it's, you know, the right thing that we should be focusing on this. But before we go into that topic, could you share a bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Emily Poole. I'm an independent financial planner and also a will writer. I have recently just established my own uh, brand um, called Happy Planet Financial Planning. And uh, this has really been my passion project, which I think probably came about, you know, as a seed implanted in my mind right at the beginning of COVID, actually, because not long ago, um, I, I wrote a, a blog uh, saying that I thought that if that ethical and sustainable investing was going to be um, a much bigger thing as a result of COVID. And um, I'm really pleased to say that that little seed I planted in my own mind at that time when I wrote that blog ha has blossomed into my passion project um, and my, my new brand of ethical for ethical and sustainable investing. Before doing this, um, I spent quite a long time working in the city. Um, I worked for the RBS group and I did um, infrastructure and project finance. Um, so putting debt into infrastructure projects and working on renewables deals and wind and solar and things. So I have a little bit of a sort of sustainable background myself doing that. But um, I jumped out of the banking life um, in 2004. 17 um, and decided I wanted to do something that would allow me a better work-life balance and uh, allow me to spend a bit more time with my children. So here I am. Fantastic. 
We're talking about ethical and sustainable investing today. But before we do that, could you um, tell us what your definition of investing is? Yeah, if you were to look it up in the dictionary, um, I'm sure that it would probably have quite a financial slant on it. And, and of course, there is a financial slant on investing. Um, but I also really draw the distinction between spending and investing. And I think investing comes into everything we do. Um, I think that when we make choices with our money, whether it's to save, um, which some people might think is investing, I would slightly disagree, depending on how, how well you're actually doing in terms of the return you're getting, which is as we know, quite low when it comes to cash rates at the moment. But when, when we look at spending and how we use our money, we, we can go to the shops and we can buy something that fulfills a very short-term need. We scratch that itch. When we are a little bit more long-term um, with our spending and we buy something because we know it's going to bring us a benefit in the future, that is also investing. And I think that ties in nicely with the ethical and sustainable investing, because this is what we are doing. We are investing in stocks and shares um, and other financial instruments, the same you would in conventional investing. But um, you are doing it very much with a long term view and with an idea that it's going to bring benefits, um, maybe not just to yourself. Obviously, you are hoping to make a return, but you're hoping that it's also going to bring benefits to the wider society and to the world that we live in so that's my sort of in a nutshell view of what investing is it's about having a longer term view and doing it really with the intention of wider benefits I love that and completely agree with that in terms of the difference between the normal investing that people tend to talk about and ethical and sustainable investing. The, the latter ethical and sustainable investing is about thinking beyond yourself and beyond your family, but thinking globally and thinking about the planet. So there are many reasons why um, in individuals start investing, including receiving a return on in their investment, as you've mentioned. But when it comes to ethical and sustainable investing, it seems as if, or at least that's what it's been seemed like in the past, that um, you know, the primary motivation is not return. So why would people invest in specific ethical and sustainable products and funds rather than conventional ones? Okay, well, I think it is a question of conscience. And I am not cynical enough to believe that people don't have conscience. I think that some people believe they don't have a conscience. I think if people dig deep enough, I think everybody has a conscience. I just think people choose not to listen to it. And I feel very much that if you are going to be putting your money somewhere, um, well, let's first of all, you know, break that down. It is your money and it's not someone else's. And when you put your money into your pension, um, to make a return for your future. Um, I just think that it's important that what that money is invested in is going to support your values. Um, so um, if you listen to your conscience, if somebody was to say, okay, let's have a look at your pension plan, for example, and see what it's invested in, and you see that perhaps it's invested in um, sectors and companies that don't fit your values, 
um, and how you know how does that make you feel I think that's often when someone's conscience will say actually you know given that you know my aunt you know had a horrible long fight with lung cancer or something that yeah, actually I'm not happy that my um my pension is 10 percent invested in um tobacco companies or maybe you feel strongly about human rights and you feel that there is a company that you're invested in that hasn't got a great human rights record because it's involved in you know I don't know say the arms trade or you know dodgy dealings in countries where there's um there's there's not the ethical behavior that you might expect so until you dig deep and look at how your money is invested in your pension for your future you just don't know what you're funding and I just think that that listening to your conscience with all of those things is going to really help steer you um, as to how you should be invested and actually, I'll just say that there is a great campaign out there. It's called um, Make Your Money Matter, hashtag Make Your Money Matter. And it was um, launched by Richard Curtis, uh, the film director. He did Four Weddings and a Funeral. I'm sure you'll recognise his name, but um, it's a great um, movement. And if anyone's interested, look it up on Google and have a look. And there's some really interesting little videos there that they interview people and they they suggest oh what how would you feel if your pension was invested in this and loads of people have very strong reactions to to the various um companies and sectors that their pensions are invested in and that just goes to show that there is a conscience there that we ought to be listening to because what we spend and what we invest our money in is casting a vote for the future that we want and it's the it's the planet and the the world that we're going to be giving to our children and our grandchildren oh i love that Um, you know what we spend and what we invest in is casting a vote that is so true because actually that money that you are giving to the company to buy shares in or to invest in you it actually gives you a proportion of that company right you own that small proportion so you are voting with your money that yes i'm happy with these practices to continue. Um, And it's really important to think about what you value, what you want the future to hold for not just the next generation, but generation after generation, Mm. and how it's going to impact the planet that we are living in. Now, there's so many different labels when it comes to this type of investing, you know, ethical and sustainable investing, green investing, impact investing. Are these all the same things or is the, are there slight differences between them? There are often all slight differences between them. You will find often um, that there are people who will be wanting to do all of them within a portfolio. Uh, and there are others who just want to focus on a particular area and that's fine and that just comes down to knowing what your own personal values are Um, and obviously when we're talking about sustainable investing um, there's a bit of an environmental um, lens to that it's it's talking about making sure that we have a um, regenerative circular economy that what the companies that we're investing in are mindful of the resources that they're taking out and they're making sure that their net effect on the world is um, at least neutral. When when we swing a bit more towards having more of a positive impact, what they're trying to do there is they're trying to actually have a net positive effect on the world. 
Um, so, but yeah, the sustainable um, sector it, it is it is just making sure that environmentally we're doing everything to give the planet a fighting chance in the future. Really, is is the way I'd put it. And you know, ethical that tends to be everything that is not sustainable in in a way that's more the views that people might have about certain things so the classic ethical uh negative screens that people have um will be actually i don't agree with tobacco companies because you know that is um has been having a negative effect effect on people's health so i want to take that out or i don't agree with adult entertainment for example i don't want to invest in anything to do with that because that is degrading to women um that is not the kind of world that i want to live in you know other areas might be any sort of company or sector that might be um, employing slave labor particularly child labor um just trying to think of some more ethical areas i mean actually if you look at ethical investing it's been around for a very long time um in the in the u.s during the vietnam war a lot of investors were using their investment to tell the government to tell the world we don't agree with the vietnam war um, we also have various religious sects also that say they don't agree with certain things and and that they employ their ethics, their religious beliefs to sort of screen out certain areas. Um, eth- ethics it, it can be very, very subjective. No one person's ethics are the same, um, though I would say that there are some general themes. And it is rare, I think, that I find somebody who is... Um, ethical but not sustainable I do often find people who are sustainable but not ethical but the two don't always go hand in hand but most often they do I I get the whole sustainable part where it's it's about making sure that we're not causing additional damage and if anything trying to fix some of the the damage that's happened to the planet and thinking about the future and um, I have come across instances where that whole ethical debate is quite difficult with clients because they may they may want a certain return, but they don't want to invest in certain areas because of their strong beliefs. On the other hand, some people want to invest in maybe companies that may not seem as ethical, but they're hoping that they can use their vote to turn um, some of those business practices around. But all in all, it's, it is really about making creating positive change and, you know, having a a voice when it comes to some of the practices that are being done by companies and maybe governments, as you've mentioned with the Vietnam War example. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, another example of that, I mean, I had a client recently who was very keen to avoid pharmaceuticals. And when it came down to it, you know, I had a good um, debate with her about it. And I think that's why it's so great to work with a financial advisor who um, can help you see the wider picture. And that's not to say we're trying to persuade people to think differently, but I think it's useful for them to make investing decisions with the wider picture. So for example, you said that sometimes if you leave out certain areas of the market or the the investing universe, that you might be missing out on some return. So 
um, it's important for me to explain to clients who are saying they don't want to invest in pharmaceuticals that, yeah, obviously, if they do that, um, they are going to miss out on that good return that is being driven by the pharmaceutical sector. And then I, I try to very much understand why they don't want to invest in pharmaceuticals. Um, and in this case, with this client I'm I'm recalling, um, she was against animal testing. So we had a really good chat about animal testing. And we talked about some of the companies that were pioneering the three R's rule. I won't tell you what those three R's are, but basically it's a very sustainable and uh, humane way of dealing um, with animals in, in that it is absolutely necessary to use them in order to create a pharmaceutical sector that is um, going to deliver medications and treatments for people that are going to be safe. So if you keep that into the wider picture and understand that, you know, they are treating the animals humanely, really great conditions, um, they're not testing unnecessarily, and there is a humane way of, of, of dealing with those. And once she understood that, that she would only be investing in those kind of companies when she was looking at um, investing ethically and sustainably, she did feel a lot better. And then, of course, I did also use the argument that you just raised to see about the stewardship, about saying, well, you can actually, as an investor, also use your vote. So obviously shareholders get to vote on certain things. Um, your fund manager um, through these um, ethical and sustainable funds um, ought to be representing the views of their investors. So as long as you can make your views known, they will um, be able to represent those accordingly at any shareholder meetings. And also I should just say, if anyone is interested, there is um, an organization called Share Action, uh, and Google that and that will really help you understand what your stewardship rights are as an owner of um, a company. Um, and that can make you feel extremely empowered. So I do urge people to have a look at that. Great. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Emily. So you gave us an example of one of your clients and, you know, the whole thing about them not wanting to invest in uh, pharmaceuticals. How do you actually go about establishing um, your clients' values when it comes to how they're going to invest going forward? Is there anything else in addition to the conversations that you have with them that you do? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a, um, a fairly new area for financial advisors in this country. Um, may, many people might not know this, but the EU, when we were in it, um, were dictating that financial advisors should have um, very in-depth conversations um, with their clients to find out what their ethical and sustainable views are. And obviously we came out of the EU, so it's not mandated at the moment, but advisors and planners are being encouraged to do this now. And uh, I do understand that there is going to be some more formal guidance, possibly even some regulations coming in later this year. So I would, first of all, I would say that if your um, planner or advisor is not having these conversations with you, I would, I would start that conversation with them. Because, you know, if it's important to you, it ought to be important to them that um, your portfolios reflect your values. OK, to answer the question, how do we find out what those values are? That is actually very <laughs> tricky, I think. And it does come down to relationship. If you've got a good relationship with your planner 
um, your planner or advisor should know you very well. If, if you're going to someone new for the first time, it is really about having a really decent conversation with them. It, it's not for me to say, oh, okay, what kind of return are you um, hoping to target? I mean, if I talk to you about what you're wanting to invest for, what your goal is for a certain pot of money, then obviously we'll agree what that growth target should be. Um, And that's actually quite straightforward. But when it comes to how that money should be invested, because you want to invest it in line with your values, yeah, that's when we've got to take the step back and say, well, what are your values? Some people can be really clear on it. Some people might say, actually, I haven't really given it much thought. And so it's about you asking questions and teasing out the right kind of information that might help inform you as to what are the things you really care about. So I don't know, let's let's be generalists here and just make some generalizations, for example. Somebody who might have children might care very much about issues to do with children, for example. They might feel very strongly every child should be entitled to a good education. Well, in that that fact alone may really help to inform some of the areas that you might like to be invested in you know education projects um you know there are some major major companies out there um having huge positive impact that are focusing in on education and especially um in the developing world where we all know that that really is um a a need and for example, there might be other things. Somebody might have a dog and you might start saying, oh, tell me about your dog. Or, you know, and then it's clear that that person is an animal lover. We might say, oh, do you take an interest in politics? You know, what debates of the day are, are grabbing your attention? You know, and then that would then inform what you're keeping tabs on in terms of what's happening in current affairs. You might say, oh, do you do anything in your spare time? And they, it might transpire that they're a volunteer at a charity. Well, that, you know, if people are giving up their free time to do things for charity, again, that that informs oh, this person really cares about you know, the sector of the community that they've chosen to work with on that basis. There's no set list, although I do have a questionnaire to get me started, but especially on the ethics side, it's it is about digging deep and getting to know your client um, and maybe having a little bit of a, a values exercise where you you write charts and there's ways of doing it. There's all sorts of tools out there um, that can really help if if clients are struggling to actually pinpoint what those values are. And I think also for anyone listening who's thinking about ethical and sustainable investing, the, the point you've made about the individual being clear about what they want um, to achieve, the impact that they want their actions to have on the planet and for the next generation is key because an advisor can only take you so far and it it is all down to you. We don't have all the answers and also we can't, we don't read minds. So it's really important for people to be able to articulate what, what they feel. And then we can translate that into, you know, a portfolio or a strategy that will be suitable for them. Mm. And actually, um, you bring me on to another point that I was actually going to raise because obviously you're a financial coach and I I know that financial coaches spend a lot of time talking to people about their values because people should be living financially in line with their values um, in order to make them happy. And it was raised um, at a meeting that I was at with the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing the other day that anyone who is needing help establishing what their values are 
could really benefit from talking to a financial coach. So yes, if your your planner or advisor is wanting you to deliver your list of values uh, and you're, you're not quite there yet and isn't able to help you tease them out, then maybe that would be an opportunity to, to have a, a couple of sessions with a financial coach um, because the coaches, I think, are a lot better at having those softer softer skills-based conversations where, you know, they dig a bit deeper to find out what those values are. Yeah, no, that's 100% correct. And I think what coaches focus on is everything but the money. Mm. Um, and I think when a client comes to a financial coach, they, they are a bit more flexible when it comes to conversation. When they go to a planner or an investment manager, they're really focused on the money and they want to understand about return, et cetera. So building your team of financial experts from coach to uh, wealth manager and financial planner or advisor is, is I think, a, a good thing for anyone to, to do, have those three um, available to you. Earlier on, you mentioned about um, people looking at their pensions and understanding what's invested in there, and then sort of comparing that to what they feel are their ethical and sustainable values. But how can someone practically who's got investments in an ISA or a pension go about establishing whether their investments are ethical if they were to pick up their their evaluation or look at their list of holdings, what are the two or three things you'd advise them to do? Okay, well, the first thing is to find out what fund you're invested in. I mean, if it's an occupational pension plan, um, the chances are you've been um, risk rated, which means that they found out how much risk you want to take and they've put you in their default portfolio. Now, depending on when you went into that um, into that fund or portfolio, will depend whether or not you've got much of a ethical or sustainable slant on it if you've been on it in it a long time the chances are there would have been no screening out of anything that might offend people with certain sensitivities so you need to look at what that fund is there's a thing called TrustNet that is available um, on the internet and if you google uh, TrustNet and then the name of the fund that you're in you ought to be able to get a fact sheet up that would at least tell you what the top 10 investments are, which would give you a very good flavor really for what the, the, the portfolio is invested in. It might be a bit more difficult to find a fuller list, but try that to start with and just see what the top 10 are because you might be quite surprised um, as to what how you're uh, making your returns within your pension there. Um, there is an amazing um, new tool out there called something it's called Tomello, um, and it was a um, venture, it is a venture, um, led by a very bright lady called Georgia, Georgia Stewart, and she's providing this technology to occupational pension plans um, so that when their members inquire as to how they're invested, um, they can answer those questions for them. And that, I, my understanding is that will give a really thorough response um, as to how you're invested and how ethical and sustainable your portfolios are. So that's on the pension side. I mean, the ISA side, um, I don't think that it has any um, insight into ISAs at this stage. Um, but again, look at who your, who your ISA is with, find out the name of the funds. It might be that you're invested in more than one funds if, you're a, if you've got an ISA. And presumably, you a lot of people self-select their own funds for their ISAs. 
So um, you would have had, you would have hopefully um, had a little look about what you're investing in when you made those decisions. But um, if that was some time ago and, you know, you hadn't heard of ethical and sustainable investing at that point, then, um, yeah, you might feel that it's worth looking a little bit deeper as to what you're invested in. Again, look at the top 10 funds through looking at TrustNet um, and just, you know, look at the sectors that those companies are in. You know, let's let's pick an example. Um, say Nestle, a, a large company in, um, involved in the food market. But, you know, I remember back in the 70s, there were some controversies around Nestle because they were um, pushing powdered baby milk into the developing world when that wasn't really considered the ethical thing to do. Um, that's obviously subjective. You might not, might not have a view on that, but for some people, you know, they didn't want to touch Nestle. Um, there's other companies out there. You know, Tesla is a very um, controversial stock. Obviously, it's doing its best to, you know, deliver on the sustainability agenda because it is not um, using fossil fuels uh, to run the cars. But there are other elements of Tesla that other people are not happy with. Um, so if you if you find the list of companies, it might be immediately that you know what sector they're in and what they're up to. But if you're not sure, just Google them. Google news um, around those companies and just to get a little bit of a sense as to, to what they're involved in and what they're up to. Um, it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of research. An easier way of doing it is, um, of course, to, to work with an independent financial planner um, who is able to help steer the steer you on, on the right way there. Yeah, thank you for that. And I, and I think one thing that people forget is you can actually ring up some of your providers and ask the question. They might be able to do the screening for you much quicker um, or at least give you a little bit of information that you can take away and then work on. A lot of default pension schemes now do have an ethical, sustainable portfolio. Um, I'm, I don't want to really um, say any more than that, other than that it, it's a label that they will give certain portfolios, but it is important to understand what sits behind that label. And yeah, like you say, call the provider, ask them some questions about it. Tell me about what this portfolio is. How have you screened out? What choices have you made? Um, you know, have, have you got certain sectors in it, you know, that you might feel strongly about, just yeah, ask them the questions just yeah. to check. That's it's really important. Now, Emily, for many investors, the underlying motivation is to grow the value of the money that they invest in the stock market. And in the past, it ethical and sustainable investing has been seen as not so profitable. Would you say that that has changed um, in recent years? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, all investment carries risk and, uh, you know, investments do go up and they go down and performance in the past is no indication to the future. But when we look at what happened during COVID times, the ethical sustainable portfolios did amazingly well. They really did hold up. And that was in part, a large part, because of what happened um, in the fossil fuel sector at that time. Um, I, I, there was um, some international activity um, in the oil and gas sector that caused a fall anyway in the um, oil prices. And then with COVID on top, obviously meaning that there was less demand for fuel, the oil values went down further, which really did 
um, hit the conventional funds um, in a lot more a lot more dramatically than obviously the sustainable stocks that by and large didn't have um, exposure to the oil market. So the thing to remember about ethical and sustainable investing is that you've, you've lost a little bit of the correlation. So what I mean by that is it's not going to behave in the same way as ethical and sustainable investing. Um, you'll have good times for the conventional stocks. You'll have good times for the ethical and sustainable stocks. Um, sometimes you'll have good times for both, but it does depend on what's happening in the economy. But on the whole, if you look at long term performance, that there doesn't seem to be the discrepancy that there once was. Um, and like I said, during the COVID period, um, ethical and sustainable stocks actually performed better. But if you look essentially at what um, uh, the certainly the sustainable companies are doing and also the ethical ones, too, is that they are building businesses for the long term. They are making sure that their practices and their um, operations are kind to people and planet. And with that in mind, um, should any legislation come down the line, and it most certainly will when we realise that our net zero target is <laughs> very, very challenging, which we were starting to already, um, that we'll have to be more drastic with the legislation that's introduced and uh, those companies that are already um, you know, in compliance voluntarily will not be hit as badly financially as the ones who have just been living for today and not being worried about acting in an ethical, sustainable way, because frankly, they didn't have to because the legislation wasn't there in the past. It's being forward thinking that makes you a much more financially resilient stock. So I think if you bear that in mind, you would hope that, and of course, no guarantees, you would hope that the um, ethical, sustainable funds and portfolios are going to be more resilient and um, not as subject to certain shocks that might be coming down the line. Yeah, yeah, I think they have. Uh, they are now coming into their own, uh, and you can. And as you've said, um, we've seen that happen during the COVID pandemic, and a lot of the conventional companies are focusing a lot on the future and, you know, being more energy efficient. They're talking about, you know, being carbon neutral. They've got targets. So some of those conventional companies, which may not have seemed as ethical and sustainable uh, a couple of years ago, are slowly becoming more ethical and sustainable. Again, it's partly down to changes in legislation, but also individual investors using their votes to say, look, we're not happy with the way things are being done. You need to change or we will move our money elsewhere. Yeah. Emily, this has been a really fascinating and informative uh, conversation. Thank you so much. I have learned quite a lot um, about the whole ethical and sustainable investing uh, theme. As you know, I believe that to create true wealth, we must all be clear on what wealth means in each area of our life. So going back to the whole thing about values, in a few words, could you please share with us what wealth means to you in terms of your physical, mental, spiritual, social, and financial well-being? For me, I always think about the most important thing being to live your best life. And living your best life isn't about having the most money in the bank account. It's about choosing to do things with your money that make you happy but also around that 
um, the very, very most important things are health, because if we don't have our health, even though we have money in the bank and we know what it is that makes us happy, it might not be physically possible for us to do it. So I think we all have to look after our health first and foremost, physical and mental. Um, I also believe very strongly in education. I think to be feeding your brain and um, challenging yourself and making it grow um, can keep you very spiritually and um, mentally healthy. And I believe that making sure we're taking care of our planet as well because all of those other things if we've got those great but if we've got a planet that's on its knees what what's the point in that we want our children to have a great future as we do our grandchildren and that's why I just hold you know this kind of investing so dear to me because it it is our future it has to be our future and it will become mainstream and um, I really hope that people listening have thought a bit about how their pensions are invested and their vices and and perhaps look at it through a different lens. Thank you so much, Emily. How can anyone listening to this episode get in touch with you? Uh, Well, you can reach me on um, Happy Planet FP. Um, That's the same uh, address on um, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn under the name of Emily Poole. I should also say that I am launching my own podcast, shouldn't I? Oh, yes, of course. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it's um, with a lovely friend of mine, Janine Coney, who is a style coach. A little bit of an interesting um, collaboration. Um, but we both approach things from a different spectrum. So I thought it would make for a good conversation. But the, the podcast is called Invest in Yourself. And uh, she's talking at it very much from the point of view as, you know, making sure that you are giving yourself self-care and spending your money in ways that is going to enhance your future, your well-being, your and how you look is part of that, by the way, which is where the style comes in. Um, And then I'm also wanting to talk to women. I guess it's for women primarily about how investing in yourself is also about investing in your long term financial future. I'm excited about that. Look out for that in the new year. Fantastic. I love the the title and I love the the ethos behind the podcast. I can't wait to for you to launch. Thank you so much Emily for being such an amazing guest and for sharing so much information on ethical and sustainable investing. It's my pleasure Sitsi. It's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Connect with me at The Wealth Conversation on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the discussion. Also, if you're ready to define what wealth truly means to you, then go to thewealthconversation.com and download the Wealth Cornerstones Guide. Until next week, stay focused on becoming the designer of your financial future.